Come on in and sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 216 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And as you know, this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis around the trends and best practices all about wealth management technology. My guest for this episode is Bobby Powell, VP of Distribution Sales at iPipeline. Now, Bobby started out in the industry working at LaserApp back in 2002. He stayed there for 17 years, working his way up to VP of Sales and Marketing before iPipeline acquired the company in 2019. So basically, he's been at the same company his entire career. We just don't see that much anymore. Congratulations, Bobby. That's uh, uh, commendable uh, to stay there, uh, especially you know the growth that iPipeline is having um, in the past five years. And of course, the growth LaserApp had uh, in, in their time as an independent company was quite impressive. Uh, some of the things we covered in this interview, a lot of different topics, um, mainly around annuities and technology to support that. So with the rapid growth of annuity sales, uh, we talked about advisors' technology needs. We talked about a chassis platform and more broker deals and RIAs selecting software to act as a chassis that they can build the rest of their tech stack on top of. And then trends in e-signature. Now, but before we get started with the episode, let's talk about your tech stack. As a group, we've seen hundreds of tech stacks at RIAs, and let me tell you, most of them are loaded down with tech debt, so you shouldn't feel too bad about yours. Let's face it, tech debt is like a giant anchor holding back your business's growth. So if you want to free your firm beyond tech debt, getting free from that so you can really get your firm to the next level, you should run and not walk to our website, ezragroup.com, and fill out the Contact Us form on the homepage. Our experienced team can evaluate your current tech ecosystem, deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems and operations, or run an RFP and help you implement new software to get your firm to the next level. Come and take advantage of our free consultation offer by going to ezragroup.com. Now, a couple of housekeeping items. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Go to the Invest in Others Charitable, Charitable Foundation. Check them out at investinothers.org. They do a lot of great work for charities that advisors are involved in. If you know a financial advisor that's very involved in a local, national, or international charity, go to investinothers.org and let them know about uh, this person, and they may be able to get some uh, additional funds for their charity. All right, now let's kick this thing off. I'm stoked to introduce my next guest. It is Bobby Powell, VP Distribution Sales at iPipeline. Bobby, welcome, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Craig. Good morning. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Where are you calling from? Uh, Southern California. So I'm usually the good morning guy on the call. Yeah, it's still morning. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in New Jersey and we're actually having some nice weather, although you probably wouldn't think so because it's in the low 50s. But sounds good. That's not too different from us. I think we're going to get uh, I think we got four more days of rain this com- uh, that are coming this week. So well, that's not a bad thing for where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Let's jump right in. Can you give us a 30 second elevator pitch for iPipeline? Sure, sure. Um, so iPipeline is, uh, really the platform on which, uh, you can process, uh, life insurance and wealth management kind of really end to end. 
So we're the one spot where if you're a broker dealer or wealth management firm or a BGA, you can process life, annuities, securities of all types, checking app, brokerage, advisory business, all in one shop. So um, that that's kind of our our real uh, our real end to end. And that is incredibly useful. It's very difficult to do those things, mm-hmm. and more and more large broker dealers, enterprise wealth firms rely on technology like iPipeline to really get their business started. Right? That's that's the, that's the first point of contact that every client has with um, their wealth management firm is the onboarding. Typically, yeah, yeah. I mean that advisor that client well advisor experience too but that client experience really is kind of your your normal kickoff point right it's it's your first your first face with the uh that maybe the broker dealer the organization has with that end customer um is oftentimes the tech it's usually that that's yep. very very usually the first thing they look at and that's the, that's the the time you want to make a good first impressions and yep. you know, what's surprising to me we've been at Ezra Group, we've been in, uh, in the, the we of course in the wealth management for almost 19 years, uh, but the the digital account opening started to become a trend around 2015, 2016. But there are still some enterprise wealth management firms that haven't switched to digital account opening solutions, and um, for life of me, I can't imagine why they're dragging their feet, and do they even realize what benefits they're missing out on. Well, I'd say it's not, that's not simple, right? I mean, it, that's a pretty complex thing. When you think about wealth management firms and how, how similar, but how different so many wealth management firms are, they, they have, you're trying to digitize business in all of your channels. It's, it's not just, it's not as simple as, Hey, we are, uh, we process advisory business and we custody with Schwab or Fidelity. So we're just going to automate that. You've got to automate everything, right? So you've got a lot of different business channels. You may do brokerage, advisory, checking out business, all, all these other business lines or business channels that need to be uh, kind of automated and hopefully in, in in a sense that is that is kind of congruent or simple or straightforward for both advisors and clients to, to interact with. So um, I, I think for a lot of these firms, it's not it's not a real simple decision, right? It's something it, it is a it is something you have to be dedicated to as a firm. You, you really got to decide this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to jump into because it's um, firms have to, they have to have a lot of, um, kind of introspective as they get into the process because they have to look at what they do well and what they don't do well today. And, and if they're going to change those processes, um, or keep them. So there's a lot of, a lot of decisions, I think in the middle there to make it, uh, um, that maybe muddy the waters for some of these firms a little bit. Indeed. Um, it's total U S annuity sales. Let's talk about that. They surged last year to over 300 $300 billion, a 23% increase from the previous year. Mm-hmm. But annuities are still complex and underutilized, especially in the wealth management space. But more and more firms are offering annuities, either, either by acquisition, acquiring insurance companies, or, or launching their own uh, their own products. So how can they, uh, what recommendations do you have that they can simplify the overall experience for advisors um, offering annuities and for clients in purchasing them? Sure. I, w- I would say for starters, I think annuities have actually in our space have grown probably considerably more than that. Just looking at our, our own customer figures, uh, we have customers that have grown well over 100% in the last two years in mm-hmm. their annuity 
volume, their annuity transaction volume. So uh, with the change in interest rates, annuities have have exploded. Um, I would say that that a lot of firms haven't necessarily been prepared for that explosion, as you could probably imagine, right? Usually tech is the first, the, the tip of the spear is usually the, the tech provider and then everybody else kind of follows. Um, so so uh, um, as as tech provider who's who's kind of lived in the annuity space a long time, uh, we've solved a lot of annuity problems for customers. Like you said before, annuities are they're really they're they're inherently super complex, right? You have different regulations. Some you know they they can be securities and annuities, uh, sorry, securities and insurance products both. They they can be regulated differently. You have lots of different types, lots of different training requirements around them. Um, you have you have advisors trying to handle annuities. You have broker dealers trying to handle annuities. So you have all uh, annuities are are there's a, there's a whole lot going on just in the in the annuity space in general a lot of things that have to be addressed uh, in order for you to properly support annuities. I would say where that really starts um, is is with kind of with with what's out there already. That a lot of the a lot of the legwork in this in the space has already been done, and most people don't really realize that. So the carriers for for uh, probably. I'm going to say at least 10 years, uh, the carriers have all, all of the annuity carriers have standardized how annuities are processed, how they how they uh, how they not only create rules, define rules, but how they make them available to all the broker dealers and all the distributors out there. Uh, so there there's already kind of a whole standard set on how annuities should operate. Um, the, the trick is kind of taking that, taking all of those rules, taking everything that's already that already exists and doing what we call democratizing the annuity process and just make it really simple for that end user. It, it's, I like it, it's kind of like TurboTax, right? It's like you, you need that simplified approach to annuities, that wizard-based approach, as opposed to being handed a stack of annuity forms and trying to figure out, okay, well, is this everything I need? What am I, what am I missing? Um, you probably wouldn't be surprised at what advisors try to create when they're handed a stack of annuity forms. They effectively invent their own annuities trying to process an annuity application. So it's um, it can become pretty tricky. So it's one of those things where where um, relying on what's already been done, kind of you know standing on the shoulders of giants really goes a long way um, in the annuity space. Yeah, I like the TurboTax analogy. Everyone understands that and everyone's used to that. And you really want a wizard to walk you through because not every advisor understands annuities in the same way so giving making it easier for them to do this can only be a good thing i think too they look at it in the context of securities so when i process securities business securities are relatively simple at least in terms of execution maybe not maybe planning is more complex but the actual execution um has been relatively simplified standardized etc annuities it is it is far more complex so you real so if i'm in a, if i put myself in the advisor's shoes and think about okay this is how I process my check and app business or my advisory business or my brokerage business. So this is how I think annuities are going to work. It's probably not going to work that way. In fact, I know it doesn't work that way. It's there are a lot more layers to it. So it's, it's really, um, really kind of understanding what, you know, the Delta between the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how does that work and, and, yep. and understanding the Delta and quantifying it and being able to deliver on that is something a lot of firms have tried but have not been able to deliver on. Yep. At least what we found. Yep. Um, the In 2017, which is already, wow, five years, over five years, iPipeline acquired LaserApp. 
one of the largest providers of form filling, uh, workflow software for advisors. So what are some of the trends you're seeing around these kind of tools? And what are the problems that uh, broker dealers, enterprise wealth management firms are having around this area? Good question. So, so, and yeah, time has flown. And I, so I, I, I laser app is a special place in my heart because I started there in 2002. So that was really getting my, uh, getting my feet wet in the wealth space with IBDs, RAs, you know, registered reps, clearing firms, custodians, et cetera. So you just passed your uh, 20 year anniversary. Uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, last year. Yeah. Congratulations. All, all in wealth tech, surprisingly. So very, very, you know, I, I've, 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 like I always say, I, I was born, I was born in wealth tech and I will die in wealth tech. <laughs> I found my swim lane. So, yeah. uh, but, but yeah, so, so, so um, in, in ways, BD's uh, broker dealers and advisors, their problems have, uh, or the, their needs have, have evolved somewhat and then haven't really evolved kind of, kind of at the same time. So, the 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 things that they have that the the problems that are out there still exist in large part today. The solution providers, the solution sets, the way we solve them have have changed somewhat. But but you know just kind of thinking back to how how you know what I started right after the dot com bubble, right? So you had the market was down, firms were not buying technology, advisors were buying their own tech, and in two thousand and was it two thousand the the market picked up, and in two thousand eight it kind of you know. With the housing bubble, things, uh, broker dealer spending and, and tech spending and, and the way technology was used and adopted kind of wavered off again and then picked back up and, and kind of stair step back up. So so the kind of what's been put into the space is really kind of, I would say, ebbs and flows over time and the and the waxing and waning of, of firms kind of ebbs and flows over time. Um, but the needs don't really necessarily change a whole lot. So when you think about... Um, how how broker dealers are 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 solving problems today? How they're processing business today? How they're supporting the different business channels? Those business channels haven't really changed. The options really haven't changed. How how assets get allocated within those different options may change. So it used to be a lot of checking out business. Now there's a lot more brokerage and advisory business, and and as of late there's a lot more annuity business. But the the business channels that the broker dealers are trying to uh, support really haven't changed a whole lot. Regulation hasn't changed, or the regulatory landscape, I would say, hasn't hasn't changed a whole lot too. Everybody's, you know, five years ago it was DOL, and what is old is new again. You know, your DOL is is new again, again. So um, it, it, again, you're you're still solving the same regulatory challenges uh, and so forth. But but again, things haven't haven't you know kind of really changed a whole lot in that regard. Um, now. Tech advancements have, have definitely have definitely grown. You've got a you've got a lot a lot more tech out there. Um, it's interesting because you the same way the industry kind of ebbs and flows or expands and contracts. I feel like tech expands and contracts, mm -hmm. right? You have you have a lot of you had a lot of point solutions back in, in the day. They kind of mm -hmm. consolidated into platforms, and you have big tamps like the Investnets and Orions of the world and and I pipelines of the world where you have you have a lot of uh, um, you know you perform a lot of functions. But then now you also see the the regrowth or re uh, reinnovation of of new small point solutions kind of growing and spinning back up again as well. So it's this kind of this constant again ebb and flow of of tech in the space and that that kind of grows and moves with the space. So yeah, uh, it's we're certainly seeing that uh, you know, the way things are changing uh, and the way uh, the tech is evolving 
Yeah, and and it's we I get asked this question a lot. It was I was just at the Tiburon conference and on a panel, and someone asked, which is which do you recommend build or buy? Uh, do you and do you recommend all in one solutions or point solutions? Your best of breed. And the answer is it depends. There's no right answer to those questions because every firm is different. Every firm has different um, um, deliverables or different differentiators and different client bases, different products. Uh, have they have, they've started out with different tech. They're in different stages of their growth cycle. So uh, even if you bought, if, you know, it, well, all, all things be equal, we recommend um, to buy a an all-in-one because you're, you know, the biggest problem we see with firms is integration and data. And the more point solutions you try to integrate, the harder it's going to be, the more it's going to cost you, the more tech people you need. So for most firms, they don't have that capability in-house. So the all-in-ones best of breed. The all-in-ones um, and buying them uh, or renting them is usually the best solution. But once you grow a bit, and if you feel you've got a good tech team and you're willing to grow your tech team and invest in, in the technology, then best of breed becomes gets, is now, now on the table. And there's more and more point solutions. If you look at the Keatsis Azure Group, map that michael and i work on there's over 440 applications there now and they're growing by between 6 and 12 every month uh it's uh so it's it's really a, a smorgasbord for advisors never been a better time to be advisor if you like using technology i, I always like speaking of the the kids map i always like the what the highlighted i all the, the ones that are highlighted i don't know if it's pink or whatever color it is but it shows you all the new innovative like the the newer entrance into the market i always like seeing what's new there because i feel like that's um, that to me is always like a kind of like your KPI or your your indicator of there's growth. So something happening in an area when you have that influx of new providers, um, you know that's always exciting to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would you know I'd, I'd say too you, you know you're you're talking about uh, talking about um, um, kind of build versus buy. Um, you know one of the things we talk about a lot internally. We uh, uh, before I joined iPipeline, I'd never really worked much with wirehouses. We'd always worked heavily in the independent space. Yep. And that warehouse model is is very, it, it, it almost comes across as ultra simplified when you look at it in terms of a tech stack perspective. You look at um, um, things work one way. They work they work really well. They are hyper optimized, but it's because it's it's a simpler way to do it because you don't have to you don't have to account for all of the different everybody being different with with all different kind of needs and requirements, et cetera. You know, so when you're talking about buying versus building, IBDs and RIAs have have uh, although they have similar needs, they have uh, there are also a lot of there's a vast list of differences too that can kind of lead them down the buy versus build path. Um, so things aren't so cut and dried. And that's always been um, I feel like it's always been kind of one of the core challenges of, of IBDs, as long as I've been in this space, is really trying to figure out how much they can handle, how much they can, how much, how much independence they can handle or support and on really supporting kind of the costs associated with it. Being independent, it has costs associated with it, um, you know, supporting all of these various systems and at the same time trying to rationalize or wrangle everything into, into something that you can, uh, monitor, keep your hands on, keep a handle on, et cetera. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an ongoing process. Um, yeah. And we've um, seen uh, a lot of firms struggle when, if they're, if, for example, if they sell very well in the REA space mm -hmm. and then they want to move into the IBD space or to the, from RAs to enterprise, any enterprise wealth manager room, it's, it's not easy. It's something we specialize in helping, um, wealth tech firms do that because it is difficult to, to know 
what functionality you need uh, with the enterprise firms, what uh, their sales cycles are like, what their buying decisions are like. It's it's very different. So as you, of course you know that uh, those spaces are are very different. Um, yep. The um, when it, when it comes to looking at you know the laser app in general, have you seen the way uh, firms are using it change over time? Uh, yeah, I, I would. I, I and maybe I could put I could put this in a a bit of a, a broader brushstroke too. Is is uh, um, uh, as as a broker dealer or an, or an RAA firm, one of the first things you got to kind of figure out is what does my chassis look like? Mm. You know what 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 is gonna what what am I gonna what is my start point and then everything else builds on top of it. And when I look at um, when I look at laser app versus some of our other off or other offerings or other solutions, um, when I really look at kind of that down market wealth space, laser app is oftentimes the chassis. That's either either the the IBD or the RA says okay. This is kind of the chassis on which I run my business. Firms will usually get to a certain point where they say, you know what, I need a full-blown account opening system where I'm onboarding clients um, and I'm moving money and doing other things. And I need a fully wizard-based, fully integrated approach. So they 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 will, I don't want to say level up, but they will they will kind of change their, their needs are, are typically broader. Mm -hmm. um, and so then they will kind of migrate to, the, to that level. So I will say that, 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 um, how 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 laser app is used today probably hasn't changed a whole lot in that regard um it, it it has not changed in terms of how it integrates to all the different crms and all the data sources and and being a being a solution that integrates basically with everything that it that that it to support the independent space um where i will say is that is that um um We've also we've, we've we've spent a lot of time and effort and energy plugging into the different custodians, being able to work directly with them to kind of support the kind of the down market as it changes over time. Um, you know, so if you think again, if you think about these different lines of business or channels of business, they get pro processed by broker dealers or by RAAs. Um, you have to look at what the simplest way is for them to process their business. Is it is it a wizard? Is it a digital forms, uh, you know, or something in between a, a hybrid of, you know, type, some type of a hybrid approach. Um, but I, I will say that that kind of looking at laser app kind of more as a chassis has, has been kind of one of the biggest changes I've seen over time is thinking about it kind of more in that in that regard, as opposed to kind of a point tool or point solution. Yeah, I would agree. And that's, you know, comes with the the the, the landscape of being a successful application and building out more functionality mm -hmm. as you, as you go over time, where you move just so we're just a form filling app to now we're a full workflow solution that, as you said, you can build you can you can build your your applications around, and that's something we also get asked a lot is what's what is going to be the hub if you're an RIA what should be your hub, and you know there's no right answer to that. It's sometimes it's the portfolio management platform if they're if they're really portfolio management um, uh, focused, where investing, you're choosing investments and building models is their core deliverable, core uh, differentiator, then that their investment analytics or their portfolio management become their core platform. If they're more financial planning focused, uh, then their financial planning application becomes their core platform. But if the more sales and growth focused, then the CRM would be more. Mm -hmm. So are you seeing that? Or what are you seeing when it comes to uh, the, using LaserApp as a chassis what type of applications are they plugging into? 
So, so I would say it, it, it kind of depends too on the size of the firm. To me, that's one of the big, one of the big markers. So, you know, you talked about kind of the profile of the firm or where, where their, where their focus is, but it's also where they're at in kind of their growth trajectory, right? So if I'm, if I'm a small RAA firm, I re, I may rely very heavily on my custodian to deliver most of my tools to me just because I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not ready to take on these different pieces yet. I, maybe my processes are not mature enough yet or whatever else. But but typically, as smaller firms that that are maybe still simpler in the in the business they process, they may rely more heavily on their custodian to provide um, just whatever whatever their custodian is going to give to them or or kind of subsidize for them. Mm. I think again, as that as that firm grows and their needs are their needs are kind of more complex, that's when we see them kind of settle in and say, okay, am I going to focus on integrations with other parties, or am I even going to take the next step up where I really become the kind of the developer or the creator of my own ecosystem, right? Am I going to, am I, am I going to be concerned with, with that overall kind of end to end experience for the client or am I still just focused internally just on, on gaining efficiencies and making things, you know, opening accounts very quickly, easily, simply, uh, or am I looking to get this all the way out in front of the, the client and take it to a whole other level? So um, that's kind of, um, that's kind of how we usually kind of look at them is, is, the size of the firm, also, like you said, the the nature of their business. Um, I think the long and the short of it is is they we connect to a myriad of different solutions out there, right? CRM CRM is 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 usually um, kind of your your first spot to go because when you're when you're opening accounts, there's a, there's a lot of information that's typically in the CRM that you can leverage to open accounts. But then there are a lot there are other kind of adjacent pieces as well that you may need to incorporate into the process. So um, again, what usually when we when we when a customer kind of migrates from let's say Laser App and then jumps up to like I said like our IFS platform or our account opening platform, when you get up to that level, that's usually when you when you incorporate even more kind of downstream integrating parties, workflows, et cetera. So just again depends on on how big the client is and kind of where they're at in their own client or their own you know advisor journey. Man, we, we know that for a fact. Yeah, it's uh, every firm is in a different state. Uh, mm -hmm. Every firm is uh, in a different growth pattern. So how they use their technology um, is very different. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, e-signature a little bit? I mean, I know that you, uh, you know, I believe the Laser App has built their own e-signature solution. Why do they do that? And how? Uh, what, what are the benefits from having that in, in your in in, the, in this technology chassis? Sure. Um if if you'll if you'll humor me and let me tell you a real quick story though about e-signature. Mm -hmm. Um I uh, uh so so back it had to be maybe 2007, 2008, uh met with American funds. And in, and this is when we were trying to gain e-sign acceptance in the space and nobody was really uh firms just weren't accepting e-signatures. BDs wanted it, nobody was accepting it, or very few firms were accepting it. Uh met with those guys and they said, Hey, um, what do we have to do to get you guys to e-sign enable your forms? And they said, we need to see customer demand. And it, it kind of planted a seed in me that, that um, we've got to go, we've got to go do something about this. So at the time we were hosting our, our annual uh, broker dealer conference. So we created the first e-sign petition. Uh, we had 150 broker dealer executives sign the e-sign petition. And then we took it back to uh, cap group or American funds, as well as all the other fund companies, uh, annuity providers, et cetera, uh, to show them that, to illustrate that demand to get e-signatures accepted in the space. Um, now, granted, it's taken, it took a number of years after that to get 
the majority of firms e-signable, but the, the I would say the majority of firms today do accept these signatures. Um, maybe to your point, though, um, um, although e-signatures are accepted, there's still a lot of uh, there, there's still uh, some lack of clarity. I think when it comes to being a BD or an RAA, like mm -hmm. who in who in my downstream accepts these signatures? How do, what's the what's the best one to use? What what uh what what uh, signing methods are approved? Am I doing SMS? Am I doing KBA or knowledge-based authentication? Am I doing a blend of both? Which e-sign providers do I use? So there's a whole lot of uh, whole lot of variables, a whole lot of things to understand with that. Um, I would say it, at its simplest form, looking at the lines of business you process today, whether you're whether you're a BD or an RAA, um, we today today um, in it in kind of simply put. At LaserApp, every every firm that has their forms on the platform either elects to, to support e-signatures or not, and they have to do it uh, agnostically. They can't say yes to DocuSign, no to SignX, yes to Adobe Sign, whatever. They have to do it across the board. So that's something that we've done a good job of saying, of, of really kind of towing the line on. So once firms approve it, they approve it for everybody. So that way you as the, you as the consumer, the BD of the RAA, and say, okay, I approve these signatures, and then you will inherit the e-sign, kind of like the e-sign privileges for all of those, uh, all of those firms that have their forms on the platform today. So again, whether they're clearing firms, custodians, etc. Um, so you you will you will inherit all that. You'll be able to e-sign uh, e-sign whatever forms you would like in the library that are approved for e-signature. It is uh, impressive, and there's also an issue with with a lot of custodians. Um, that have their own version of DocuSign, and it took a while. There, it's getting better, but there, there's still some issues when it comes to one of the, some of the bigger custodians uh, forcing their uh, wealth management firm clients to use their version of DocuSign. Now, there's some exceptions, and they'll allow you to 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 request approval to use your own DocuSign, but a bit of a pain in the ass, if you ask me. 100% agreed. Um... And there, there are some specific ways to address it. That's we, we, uh, um, our support team has, I think, been inadvertently doing e-sign support for maybe not inadvertently, but they've been doing e-sign support for a lot of years around the various e-sign providers to help bring clarity to advisors because um, it is really unclear if you if you are dual custody or multi custody, the way each of your custodians handles e-signatures is is I guarantee you it's absolutely different between them. Um, one of the things that we've done to help mitigate or address that is we've structured the system such that not only do you, can you have a different e-sign method, you can also have, even have a different e-sign vendor per custodian um, because they are so drastically different. So think about it like if I'm a broker dealer and today I, I work with two different custodians and I do check and app business and all of the lines of business, I may settle on my 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 e-sign solution, my preferred e-sign solution, and I can I can mandate that across my rep base. But when they process business at custodian number one, custodian number one doesn't accept that e-sign provider. So we can we can allow them to use the different e-sign provider when they work with custodian number number one. The custodian number two may accept it. Um, they may accept our e-sign provider, but they may require a different type of authentication. So they may require KBA when I'm SMS. So we allow for that as well. So again, it's it's that line from from being very extensible, but also trying to keep things simple at the same time. So that I think we've we've struck a pretty good balance there in in something that is uh, inherently probably more complex than it really needs to be. You know, e-signatures are supposed to be simple. They've been 
a proof that since 2001, I think, or 1999, that's something like, you know, longer than I've been in, in the space, they, they, e-signatures have been accepted, so. Well, we've both been in the space quite some time, Bobby, but speaking of time, we've run out for this episode. Can you please oh, tell uh, the audience where they can find more information about iPipeline? Sure. Uh, we've got a brand new website, uh, ipipeline.com. Uh, very intuitive, very simple, very straightforward, which hopefully resonates with all of our products as well. So um, love for you guys to come check it out. Bobby, thanks so much for being here, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Craig. Hey, it's Craig again. Uh, my top three takeaways from this episode, actually top four takeaways. We're going to give you a bonus. Uh, number one, annuity sales have exploded in recent years due to changes in interest rates. Firms need to prepare their technology to support this growth. Number two, while advisor needs haven't changed much over time, technology solutions have evolved from point solutions to platforms and then back again to point solutions. We've seen both directions, firms going from one way to the other and one back and forth, and also lots of new point solutions launching in areas we didn't even know existed before. Number three, LaserApp is often used as a chassis that broker-dealers and RIAs can build the rest of the tech stack on top of. And our bonus number four takeaway is e-signature is a widely accepted uh, technology, but there's still some lack of clarity around the best practices and usage of it. And LaserApp supports e-signatures agnostically across many providers. All right. That's all. You've reached the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Please go to our website, uh, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, updates, information. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you all again next time.